We hope you enjoy this message and that it encourages and inspires you. For more information, head to lifepointwithanee.org.au. Good morning, church. You know, I'm just amazed at what God can do and just seeing Sarah up there doing her blurb. It was around about two years ago that I did Christianity Explained with Sarah and her sister Kirsten. And look where she is now, hey? God has just grabbed her and she's doing amazing things in the kingdom of God. And we love you, Sarah. And thank you so much for following God's call on your life. Well, we've been uh, working through this series, uh, part three today of the good work, the good work of God and how God calls us. And uh, A.B. led us into the series with uh, talking about feeling God's call. What, what is that for us? And what might be God doing is stirring in us? Pastor Phil looked last week about uh, what are you passionate about and uh, how has God at work through that and praying into that and that uh, following the stirrings of the Lord. And this morning, I want to um, look at standing strong in the face of opposition. Now, whenever we stand up and we serve the Lord, um, we are enlisting in a battle. Do you agree? Has anyone ever felt the battle? Battle scars, wounded, but victorious. Adam and Eve had the serpent. Moses had Pharaoh. David had Goliath and many more. And Jesus had Herod, the Pharisees, Jewish leaders, Judas, the devil, demons. Even Batman had the Joker. That's not in the Bible, by the way. And we read through the series of Nehemiah that Nehemiah had his opposition both internally and externally. Now, remember that Nehemiah was not a tradesperson. He wasn't skilled in masonry and carpentry. He was just a regular guy. Obviously, he had lots of qualifications to be the cupbearer of the king. But rolling up his sleeves and doing physical work was probably not his thing. And when he got to, uh, to do the work, uh, the cry of the people in the town was saying, well, we're not masonries either. Uh, you know, we're more like goldsmiths and, and find at different crafts and perfume makers and merchants, but we're not really into building with rocks and with timber. And so uh, there was tremendous opposition and cry from the people both within and without. Let me read uh, one particular account of opposition that came from the north, uh, from nations uh, just to the north of where uh, Israel was rebuilding their little city. When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews and in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble, burned as they are, to buy the Amorite who was at his side said, what they are building, what they're building, even a fox climbing up on it would break down their wall of stones. And word got out and word was sent to, uh, to the Jews about this ridiculous plight that they were on and how foolish it was and to give up while they were ahead. That opposition would come their way. Nehemiah certainly felt that opposition. When the work goes down, opposition shows up. 
Sometimes we can feel like a target, can't we? When I do Christianity explain with someone or someone comes through Alpha, or, uh, I often share with them uh, that becoming a Christian can be tough. And uh, particularly around about the time of someone's baptism, I've often seen many people that I've been ministering to that that first week after being baptized, people get smashed as they stand up for their faith, as they go public. It's when we show our true colors that Satan isn't happy. It's like we've got a target on our back. Jordan, my oldest boy, uh, has had many businesses, but one of the business businesses he had was importing gel blasters. Has anyone ever heard of a gel blaster? Well, a gel blaster is, you can either get it in plastic or aluminium, an exact replica of many different firearms around the world. But thankfully, they don't shoot bullets. Uh, They're designed to shoot these little tiny watery pellets. And uh, you might have seen them in florist shops where they empty a little tiny packet of like sand granules in water, fill it up, and then an hour later, there's like thousands of these little balls about a centimetre round. And you feel them and think they're just goopy, jelly kind of things. They're not going to hurt much. Well, I heard the hills laughing. Anyway, so as we do as a family, it was very important that someone feel the pain or feel what these gel blasters might be like. And I hate that game scissor paper rock. Does anyone play that stupid game? It seems whenever I play it with my boys, I lose. And so we all got outside, three boys and myself, and, and we, we kind of dared each other. Who would be the one that would stand out uh, bare flesh, by the way, no shirt, and, and feel what a gel buster feels like? So we did scissor, paper, rock, and guess who lost? Me. So I went out and stood beside the fire pit, which is probably about 15 metres from where they were shooting, and I thought, surely these things aren't going to hurt. And so I bared my back and uh, away they went. And I must say that I was covered in welts for some time. Uh, The boys said they would shoot me once, but they put it onto automatic mode. (laughs) And it was... And Dad was running up the backyard in pain. Tony, can you relate to something like that? Yes, yes, that's right. Boys and their toys. Well, sometimes you feel like when you become a Christian, when you enter into faith, that you somehow lifted up your shirt and you're taking both barrels. Anyone relate to that? You start ministry in the life of the church, you're excited about something that you're gonna do here and everything goes to mush. You start children's church or you get involved in the creche and the first morning you get puked all over. Anyone know about that? Or someone comes to you and says, don't be stupid, that's ridiculous doing that or whatever it might be. And so it's often difficult to step up in ministry and it's very important that we realise that we follow the call of God, opposition will come. You see, the devil doesn't bother those who are not a threat. Is that true? People are going back and forth to work. They're not bothering about God. They're living a life of leisure and pleasure on the Sunshine Coast. And they all seem to breeze through. But when we enter into the battle, when we enter into the fight, uh, bad things can happen to good people. Serious things can go down. 
And uh, it shows that we are in fact a threat to the enemy. An opposition can come our way. What do we do in the light of that opposition? What do we do when it comes? Send by it and Tobiah, they came with words of accusation towards the Jewish people uh, in Curia and written word. And, uh, and Nehemiah would have read that letter and, and thought, what do I do about this? He could jump up and down and he could spit chips and he could tell them that they're wrong and do all sorts of different things. But it's interesting to know that Nehemiah did none of that. Nehemiah didn't respond at all to their criticism. Craig Rochelle says, uh, be careful not to let praise go to my head or criticism go to my heart. You see, when you respond to a critic, it empowers them. It gives them fuel to respond. It's interesting that Nehemiah did nothing. We'll see in a moment that he turned to God, he did that, but he certainly didn't respond to their accusations. He told his people to work in one hand with a trowel and the other hand with a sword to be prepared for opposition, but he didn't respond to the people that were bringing the criticism. And sometimes the greatest criticism we can receive is from the people from within. Is that true? I wanna share a little bit of my journey with you. Um, many of you know that I was in a band called Travelers and it was an evangelistic ministry of Youth for Christ and we traveled for some eight, nine years around Australia and overseas and we ministered to many, many thousands of young people and some 15,000 people made a commitment to Jesus in the time that we ran that ministry and we did over 1,500 concerts all around the world and over Australia and it was, uh, it was a wonderful work but a very challenging work and we received a great deal of opposition. But where it all started for me was a, a call of God on my life. I knew at my late teens, early 20s that God had singled me out. God was preparing me for something but I didn't quite know what it was. I'd entered a couple of um, singing competitions and won them and I'd done quite well in my singing and I love singing passionately, but I didn't really know what God was calling me to do. And I started working uh, part-time with an organisation called Youth for Christ in Bundaberg, just volunteering, volunteering my time and working in the schools. And uh, on my holidays from my work one, one year, uh, I was invited to tour with a band from America called Wings of Flight and to help them in the schools with uh, handing out pamphlets, inviting people to a concert on the weekend at they'd perform and the moment I set on that, eyes on that band the moment I heard what they were doing and saw the ministry that they were active in God put a burning coal in my heart and said Lloyd that's what I want you to do and you know it was an amazing thing for me to see that seed I saw something visually what was going on I thought that's what God was calling me to well, as the years went by, God did amazing things and the story's too long, but within 12 months, I was in fact doing the very thing that God had called me to do. I was touring with a, this band. I'd had a training camp in Sydney, pulled together this band and we were off and running and we'd received funding and we were up and going and, uh, and we saw many, many thousands of young people respond to the gospel. But you would be amazed at the opposition I received on that call on my life. 
I was uh, in business in Bundaberg. I had a small business in hydraulic repairs and field service work. And I was going out with a beautiful girl and, uh, and everyone thought that we should get married. And yet God had called me to this particular ministry. And I sadly had to break uh, up with this girl and then uh, I folded up things with my business and, and then uh, set course to start in Sydney in a few months time. And I remember even my closest friends would come to me and said, Lloyd, what are you doing? You're on an ego trip. You should be getting married. You'll be set up for life. You're in a business that is very lucrative and it's only gonna grow from here with the harvesting industry in Bundaberg and all that's going on. You're crazy. My parents thought I was on an ego trip. My church was against me and spoke out against me, my little brethren church in Bundaberg, uh, that I was doing something extremely foolish. And God forbid I was mingling with other wicked denominations. <laughs> but you know what? Off I went. I knew what I was doing. I knew that God was stirring in my heart and I was responding in obedience to his call. Well, some months later, I came back to Bundaberg to perform there, to do the schools and have a concert. And I remember my mum and dad not even coming. And I remember the pain that caused to my heart. But I thought, well, probably they wouldn't enjoy a, a rock concert and they wouldn't be into that sort of thing. And so I understand that's okay. But deeply in my heart, I kind of was wounded that they wouldn't even acknowledge what I'd done. Well, the next year I was in town, um, my auntie dragged my mum and dad along. I had one of these aunties that kind of knew what was going on, you know, really nose to the ground, beautiful lady, Auntie Joan. Anyway, and she brought my parents along. Well, we had a tremendous night and we saw 150 young people respond to the gospel that night and my parents saw this. And I remember coming home about one o'clock at night after I'd packed everything away and dropped off all the group and I walked in and my mum and dad's light was still on. I thought, oh, that's strange. And I went into their room and they were awake for me. And they said to me how proud they were of me that I'd responded against all opposition and I'd followed God's call. And that was so powerful for me. But you know, it, those years I had to oppose that opposition, those years that I had to continue, even knowing that people close to me were against it, were tough going. And many times I cried out to God and that was all I had to go by. And I guess that's the other side of Nehemiah's response is that not only was he silent in view of the critics, he turned to one place only. He turned to the Lord, didn't he? And he prayed. He said, hear us, our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in the land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. So we rebuilt the wall till all it was reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. So responding to opposition, be silent, but turn to the one that really can make a difference. And lastly, this morning, it says, remember the Lord. Remember the Lord. When we receive opposition in our lives, when we go through difficult times, we need to remember what God has done in our lives. 
We need to remember how faithful He is, the miracles perhaps that He's done. But even there, sometimes we may not have a lot of ammunition. We may not have had a lot of experiences. We may be new in the faith. But you know, even there we can lean on history because history is true. We can remember uh, the Egyptian ancestors, sorry, the Jewish ancestors where they were released from their bondage so many thousands of years ago. We can remember stories of the splitting of the Red Sea and crossing on dry land. We can remember times when God led them through the desert and all the things that have happened down through history that we read in the scriptures. Just because they didn't happen to us, they're still true. And there's still things that we can base our faith on, use as an anvil to press us forward. The faithfulness of God has been at work, whether it's been your experience or not. God does great things and God will bring us all through. And this story is not over. I was having a conversation with my youngest just yesterday. And I don't know whether you know, there's a bit of a theme for our young people at the moment, a theme of hopelessness. We've been watching the war in Russia at the moment and the opposing of of their nations. And uh, we look at the gravitation with Russia towards China. And we look at uh, the arms battle going on and all things that are happening. And now young people are being affected by that. When I was a boy, I was thrilled about my future and excited about all the things that we could do. Talk to young people today. My son said to me, Dad, is it worthwhile me pursuing a career? I said, why not? He said, I may not be alive, Dad. And it was a really challenging moment with all that's going on with COVID and all the weird things we've experienced in this world. Our young people are losing hope. We need to encourage them. We need to stand beside them and help them to realize that it's no accident that God birthed you into now. It's your time to shine. God has got great things in mind for you. Don't step back, step forward in what God is calling you to do, to do the amazing things. There's miracles ahead. There's things that He's calling us in the twists and turns of this wobbly old world to be faithful and to stand our ground because God has got a lot to do and to continue to do, just like that song we sung this morning. I wanna finish with another amazing story about the ministry that I was in. One of the toughest experiences was a tour to Papua New Guinea. Uh, I don't know if anyone's ever been to Papua New Guinea. If you've been there, it's, a, it's pretty laid back and casual and people don't run by time. And uh, I conducted a six-week tour to Papua New Guinea and I had uh, 76 different concerts I had to be at. And I tell you, it was a grind getting to everyone on time because no one seemed to notice that time was important. Anyway, we got there in the end, but there were many amazing miracles. I noticed the level of faith of the people there caused so many more miracles from day to day that I saw with my own eyes. But one of the most astounding events that ever took place for us and against the, in the theme of opposition is that we were at Goroko in the, in the highlands of Papua New Guinea, not far from Ukarumpo. And uh, we were, uh, it's a little tiny town and uh, there's quite a few schools there. I was billeted with the local uh, principal of the, of the local high school and uh, we had a concert to do that night and we were performing on the back of a semi-trailer truck as was common, the thing that we did and uh, the people would turn up and there would be literally thousands of people come out of the woodwork to hear our music and to hear our stories and hear our testimonies and uh, 
We'd done our rehearsal and we'd been there for the afternoon and prepared, got the truck ready, got everything organised and we were there, uh, we went home, had dinner, came back and we were ready to perform. And uh, I don't know whether you know or not, but the, uh, the Garoko was supplied by a hydroelectrical system, uh, its power. Anyway, um, just as we were about to step up on the stage, everything went, and the lights went out. And we thought, well, that's a bit hard. We didn't have any generator. We didn't have anything. We are just relying on the local power. And so we all got in a circle and I got some of the, uh, the local church people together and, uh, and we stood in a circle, we held hands and we asked God for power. We asked the Lord that he would turn the power back on. Well, the moment the last person prayed, the power went on. And we performed our concert and many hundreds of people came to faith that night and we were there counselling people for hours and hours until the early hours of the morning. Well, I went home after dropping all the, the band off and, uh, and I arrived home only to have a fella come out and greet me at the front with a torch. And he was the principal of the local high school. He said, where have you been? He said, I've been worried sick about you. I thought you would have been home about 6.30. And I said, why? He said, the power's been out and we've been notified that the hydroelectrical system is down for days. Not for us, <laughs> not for us. God gave us power supernaturally that night. You see, when we stop, when we face opposition, when we ignore the obstacles and we turn to our God, He can do amazing things and we trust Him for what He can do. Can I invite the band back right now? Oh, they're already here. You know, God is good. And I don't know whether you can own this this morning, but I want to pray for you that God would do a miracle in you. And the miracle in you is to change your hard heart. It's to change your mindset to believe in Him again. What do I mean by that? You probably all believe here this morning. I trust you do. But to believe in Him again, that He can do it. Believe in it again that you would step out beyond what you're doing. Believe in it again that you would change the Sunshine Coast, that we can change the world because God is living in you and I. And opposition will come, yes, but God will give us a way to navigate and we wanna dream again. Will you do that? Will you dream again this morning? God wants to lay passions on your heart. He wants to give ministry into your lives and He wants you to step up for Him. Will you do it? Let's stand this morning. I wanna pray for you. Stand up. Reach out your arm this morning to the Lord, the King, and have expectation in your heart that He would wanna use you this morning. Father God, we wanna thank You that You're a God of miracles, that You're a God of amazing things. You're a God of so much more than what we see or imagine. Lord, we wanna believe this morning that You have more for us. We wanna believe, Lord, this morning that You have ministry, You have work for us to do in the Kingdom of God. While we still have breath in our lungs, You have work for us to do, Lord. There is things for us, assignments that You've given us. Lord, raise our eyes to believe. Give us passion in our heart for the things that are broke. And Lord, may we be willing to put our hand up against opposition and difficulty and challenge and sacrifice to serve You faithfully.
against all odds. Oh Lord, breathe on us afresh your Holy Spirit this morning that we would do these things in your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.